the Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report Podcast. All right. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Minority Report Podcast. We're happy to have you back. Today, we have two very special guests. But before that, Isaiah and Yadiel, welcome back as well. Good to see you What's guys up, again. guys? What's up? Hello, everyone. Very energetic. <laughs> uh, but today, we have two very special guests. We have my good friends, Kalina and Andrew. How are you guys? Pretty good. Yeah. I'm calling in from DC. <laughs> yeah. It's a pleasure to, to see everyone here. Yes, sir. It's good to see you guys again. Um, so today we have a pretty fun topic. Uh, we actually had this idea for a while and we're trying to decide who would be like the perfect guest for this because we we're very lucky we have a lot of friends that would be really good for this episode specifically but um today we wanted to just talk about foreign languages and more specifically the for like you being a minority and speaking a foreign language that is not your mother tongue in that sense so for example alex isaiah yariel and i all actually kind of met each other because we were learning french in college and you know that's something that for for us at least it wasn't like oh, okay so you know three of us are latino and you know spanish is supposed to be like the main language that we associate with that we wanted to go a little bit further and a lot of people are like that so we just kind of want to explore that topic and also all the differences of um how no just like trying to talk about like some of the differences even between between languages because there's so many different dialects like i know me and juan when we went to europe and we were discussing like the spanish we spoke we had like hour to two hour arguments over what one word meant because it meant three yeah. different things in three different parts of like latin america so it was kind of interesting to see that and then also how um i don't think most americans like know a second language let alone more than one so just to get everyone's input on how they see language learning how they see everything in life because i think we're in like a small percentage of people that can do that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think a lot of people it's like they learn something in high school and then when their kids are learning they're like oh <laughs> hey sonny you know i took spanish back in the day and like they don't know anything when they see the homework so it's like <laughs> it's cool to know that we have like people who who speak different languages, but they've already gone further, one step further to learn something else, which is already amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, just to add on to that, I think it's really important. I think something that a lot of us on this call have in common is that um, we probably learned our second language at home and then whatever we decided to pick up later in school is probably our third or fourth language. So that really um, does matter and uh, is the reason for why we're so interested in continuing and are able to actually pick up these languages because um, as Isaiah said earlier, uh, if, you, if the education system just offers uh, or requires you to take two years of school or of, um, of uh, language class in high school, um, that's not enough and uh, you can't expect anybody to really know much of a language um, just by taking two years of a language, especially just uh, being proficient enough to speak um, fluently and uh, with other native speakers. And so um, 
I think uh, we are very lucky to be in that position and um, I think it's important an important thing to consider um, when trying to talk about what changes can be made to the education system um, so that more people can just be able to speak more than one language well in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, I just feel like as our world becomes a lot more globalized, just being able to be bilingual, trilingual even, is like just so relevant. I mean, it allows, it just opens a lot of doors too. And at least for me, I feel like it's been kind of second nature to have that, um, just different languages in my back pocket. But like, I think Yadiel was saying earlier that a lot of Americans, you know, only speak one language. And for us, I feel like that's something that maybe a lot of minorities don't even think about when they're living in America, especially if they're like first mm -hmm. or second generation immigrants. I remember the first time I was, um, I'd spoken in different, I was speaking Korean because we had hosted ROTC cadets from Korea. Um, Cause in Korea there's like mandatory service or whatever. And so they come to visit. And my other cadets who are from like places like, you know, um, I think outside of Austin, like the, places like that where they don't speak anything but English and they were just like completely shocked and they were like you've known another language this entire time and it's like for me it's like yeah it's not that big a deal like I learned this when I was like four or five but it's just crazy to see how like those perspective change perspectives change and so I think I completely agree Oklina, with you on the at least the education system standpoint and I'm kind of ex excited to see how that progresses from here mm -hmm, for sure exactly so okay so you, you kind of mentioned something um what languages do you guys speak specifically because you guys have two very cool um mixtures of languages that you'll speak you know be, besides english yeah so um i grew up uh speaking bulgarian and english and um from a very young age i uh, went to an international school for nine years where i most of my classes were completely in french so um and i was uh, just in school alongside native french speakers so i had a uh, primary French education and um, later on I uh, joined my um, junior and high school uh, in back in my hometown in Katy and uh, started taking Spanish there because I wanted to um, just learn a new language and with the, the base that I had from French I really felt that I could benefit and um, and hopefully learn Spanish and so I actually progressed very quickly and um, continued on to do a minor uh, in Spanish uh, in college um, studied abroad in Spain for about 10 weeks and then was able to actually get to a level where I could translate for patients in a clinic back back in uh, Katy Texas for uh, during the next summer, which was, I didn't even think uh, I could do it uh, as well as I did, but, and it, it was hard at times, but um, I think it really just shows that it is possible even uh, if you, even if you don't live in the country, um, if you really apply yourself, uh, it's, uh, and even if you start learning a language later in life, as, as is the case for me with Spanish, um, you can still get to a pretty good level and, um, be able to connect with others. <laughs> mm -hmm. What yeah. about you, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, I um not as lucky as you in terms of a uh, formal education. Uh, so other language I speak besides English or Korean and Arabic. Korean 
um, just because my parents actually moved from Korea. I think it was like maybe in the late 90s. And so um, grew up in Texas most of my life. And there's actually a big Korean American community in like Dallas and Houston. And so we found ourselves living in Dallas and I'd speak Korean mostly at home. I think technically that was my first language. And so um, I would just be speaking at home. And then we went to a Korean church, a lot of churches, and that's just kind of the community I spoke with. So even though I didn't get to like formally learn, you know, on paper and write every single week, I was just like talking to people. And that's honestly um, what it just takes, you know, just practice repetition, getting to know like the informal part of the language. And then eventually I think I went to like Saturday school for Korean, um, definitely don't recommend because if you're like five or six and you have no attention span, then <laughs> it's hard to get into, especially if it's like a second language. But um, other than that, um, just keeping up with family ties, um, especially when you know, you're a first generation immigrant and you're trying to like call people back home, just being able to be proficient with that language. And you know, it's, it's valuable kind of, cause like, even though we're um, starting new lives here in America, you want to kind of keep those generational ties. And so that was kind of, like my story with Korean. And then I think for Arabic, um, I didn't really think about it until they asked me to pick a minor when I came to Texas A&M. And at the time I'd wanted to go into the Marine Corps and I thought, well, um, it probably helped to pick from one of the strate strategic languages. And so, cause I wanted to go into intelligence. So I was like, you know what? Arabic is um, obviously very relevant. And I just figured I'd do something that wasn't Latin based, you know, so kind of, it's kind of been it for that one. I think that's crazy though, because it's like, I can't imagine like for Arabic specifically, writing the other direction. Like that would just <laughs> mess me up so much. Like how, how long did it take you to get used to that? Or, um, like, in school, learning it? Yeah, it was definitely kind of a, kind of a shock. Um, I think it takes about a week, just like, um, correcting yourself every now and then just like oh no gotta start on the it actually like it helps if you flip your notepaper around just like flip it upside down because I know it has like all those markings or whatever like little things like that mm -hmm. but like once you get kind of immersed in the language and you just think about I think I had the advantage of obviously speaking another language I feel like if you only sp spoken one language in your entire life it's kind of hard to because your basis for like your perceptions and understanding of any language would just be based in English, right? But since I had um, Korean as well, it's just, it was easy to have an open mind. So I feel like that was kind of what made it unique for me. But in terms of like being able to speak Arabic, I think there's like a myth out there of it being one of the hardest languages to learn. But um, mm -hmm. like Kalina was saying earlier, like if you just apply yourself and just like focus on the small details, like it'll come around. For sure, for sure. That's yeah, so it really awesome. matters. I mean, I've heard, I've heard that, I've heard comments about every language being the hardest language to learn, and uh, sure, from different perspectives, that can definitely be true. Um, but it it really depends. I mean, if uh, if you grew up speaking Russian, you know what cases are, and so then when you start learning German, you're not completely confused when you see that. Um, but if you haven't had that. Uh, that exposure, then yes, you won't know what to do with uh, with that, and um, it really does matter um, what your first few languages are, what you're exposed to when you're young. Um, but Andrew, I uh, I just wanted to circle back to what you were saying about like going to Korean school um, over the weekends. I know that a lot of um, I, I, you could say minorities and immigrants that come from uh, different places in America and they're um, 
and as they grow up their parents want them to uh, be more exposed to their home culture and uh, learn their language and so they do take them to um, the schools that are uh, maybe in their in their city. Um, I know for Bulgarian specifically, I didn't have that. Um, it didn't start until I was already in high school. Um, so my parents would try to teach me every, uh, just every so often whenever they could and teach me the alphabet. But what I noticed was a lot of kids that were in, in our position, they did feel forced um, whenever they went to Sunday school because it was just a few hours in the week and um, it was just something extra and it wasn't necessary, it's not uh, natural. And so I noticed that um, it probably would have helped me uh, better uh, learn how to read and write uh, at a younger age because I didn't learn how to really read and write in Bulgarian until probably middle school after I had gone to Bulgaria a few times and for long longer periods over the summers. Um, but definitely uh, being able to go back to the to my home country uh, was the most helpful thing and being around uh, native speakers um, is really and, and, and it makes you more interested in doing it and it doesn't feel as forced um, and so that's just something that I've noticed just when talking to different immigrants um, that those who have gone back uh, while they've uh, grown up have had a completely different experience and a different relationship with um, their their uh, family's culture um, mm -hmm and a different type of appreciation as well as what I've noticed. Um, those who haven't been able to go back and have only been to the school over the weekends um, typically uh, feel some kind of disconnect and um, felt, felt it like uh, as if it was some kind of chore. Um, so that's, yeah, I, it, it was interesting that you brought that up because I hear it pretty often. <laughs> that like ability to immerse yourself, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's which, very important. Which is what most like like um, in the classroom type of uh, language learning misses is the immersion. In my you opinion, you can't really recreate it that easily. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But I mean, it also depends on the students because the students, um, like, if they take it seriously, there's ways you can. It might not be to the extreme effect, but it might be like watching, uh, immersing yourself in the culture, like watching a lot of movies especially once you start getting used to it without English subtitles, uh, the food, even like like the internet helps us so much that we can connect with like people over Skype or over Zoom like we're doing right now, but mm -hmm. with other countries and being able to talk to them like fluently. And even if you struggle, uh, I think other people acknowledge that you're trying to learn and that's like the biggest compliment for them that you want to learn their language, that you want to learn their culture. So I think that's like a way that like a traditional language education, especially in high school, misses out on. They just want to teach it through textbooks and they miss out on the immersion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Loki, shout out to Charlotte though. Shout out to Charlotte, oh, our French Charlotte's teacher. Goat. I love Fresh that guy. Fresh out of France. Fresh out of France. <laughs> he gave us the top dog experience for for French. And I don't think many other people get that experience like we had. No, no it's hard to get a good professor for, for any language. Because yeah. like you guys said, unless you're committed to it by yourself like you're personally driven to learn that language it becomes a lot more difficult to learn through the classroom setting unless you have a good environment and you can't really have that environment unless you have a good professor so you know shout out charlotte also i met you guys through him so yeah two, two yeah, good man. things 
Yep. So what was something that uh, he implemented in his class that you feel was different from what other people would experience when learning French for the first time? What did you think stood out? Having your own teacher as a musician that makes you listen to French music? Fire, yeah. He yeah. makes his own just, music. Just That's him saying like he loves music and playing it. Funny thing is though, we found it by accident because I remember me and Juan and whoever were studying um, a bunch of other people and we just typed in his name on on YouTube and we found like a whole track list. We're like, and music videos. We're like, all right, man. So then we started listening to that. We're like, this is fire. I remember talking to Yadel like, bro, there's actually some pretty fire French music. Then me and Yadel start looking up all these different French artists and we still listen to today. So it's like, that's one aspect for sure. But then just him being straight out of France, way different from other French teachers who are just like, I took 10 years of French so I can teach now, which it's not yeah. always true. Yeah. So you also had a really good ability to just kind of like turn the dial in terms of how good his students were. So like if his students were very beginning, like they were in the very beginning stages of learning French, he could turn down the dial to like, okay, try to teach in a way that's more effective that way. If the students were a little bit more advanced and they just really needed more exposure to French, he could just be more French in that sense. I don't yeah. know. He, he was just really good, but he embodies the importance of having a good professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that dial that you talk about to me, um, after like trying to do research and trying to do like language learning, I think that's one of the advantages of being self-taught. If you're, act- if you're actively like disciplined with it, you can turn that dial yourself. You don't have to require a professor who has to do one size fits all for a class who someone can't even say maybe correctly in French to someone who can write like full papers, try to, you can turn that dial yourself like, oh, I don't need um, like a handicap on my writing or I'm gonna try to do this fully speaking or try to watch something and I don't need subtitles like of any language, just try to pick it up phonically. So like that dial is um, sometimes not available when you do traditional methods of learning. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I have a question for y'all. Kalina mentioned that going to the country where you're trying to learn, like the country that speaks the language that you're trying to learn is extremely beneficial. Um, You already said that you had a bit of that experience in Bulgaria when you went back, when you were in middle school. You obviously had that experience in Spain because you did a study abroad over there. Do you guys have any other experiences like that? Where you just, you know, you went to a place that really helped you out? Yeah, um, so, uh, just I growing up, I've been a been, been fortunate enough to go back to Bulgaria and Europe um, at least once every couple years. So that has been great. And just going home and only speaking to my uh, grandparents and family members who can't speak English. I mean, you're forced. So there's nothing that uh, allows you to switch to English, and that's really the key there. Um, because even when I did go to Spain. Um, I was committed to uh, speaking uh, more Spanish and I was spoke, was able to speak Spanish with my host family, but uh, a lot of my um, classmates who had come with me, they were they had a different uh, level of Spanish and were more comfortable speaking English. And uh, so I, I spent a lot of my trip speaking English still, um, just whenever I was around them. So that was a little bit uh, disappointing on my end because I just had different expectations, but it was still, it was still great. Um, additionally, um, even though I was studying um, at that international school in Houston, it's called Audi International School, um, growing up and uh, 
was there from pre-k three to sixth grade um in third grade my mom actually or between second and third grade i was nine my mom sent me to normandy in france for two weeks to a camp all by myself and so my entire family thought that she was insane because it was my first time flying by myself on a plane um, my uncle uh, lived in Paris for about 15 years, so he was able to pick me up from the airport. But he left me at the bus station. It's like, okay, you get on this bus and you go, and you're 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 gonna be greeted by uh, by uh, you know your camp counselors. And it was this very small camp. It was an art uh, art camp. It wasn't like a sports camp or something. Um, so we spent two weeks uh, like making this, these little mosaics and painting. Um, but I was with uh, maybe five to ten other kids that were my age and uh, no one spoke English there either because French people they don't they don't want to learn English that's uh, <laughs> pretty pretty notorious for the most part especially whenever you leave the capital um, and so I even though I was I knew the language um, and, I, and I went to school and I was around um, other French kids back in Houston that immersion just for two weeks um, was, I somehow uh, just felt so much more comfortable that next year. I really felt like a French girl when I came back because um, somehow just the different, uh, the way people react to things and um, different nuances and how things are said, opinions. I was able to pick that up a lot better when I came back. And then I did something similar uh, whenever I was 13 and um, I went to another camp for two weeks and uh, that was a sports camp and it was in the south of France. Um, so still very similar experience and um, I felt the same way, um, but that was a little, th that, was an, that was actually different uh, for me because it was a couple years after I had left the international school. Um, or maybe one year after and so it was and outside of Audi I had a very hard time um, finding other French speakers uh, in Katie and in my middle school and so I and at home my parents don't speak French so I didn't have very much exposure for about a year and so I go I, I went back and I was a little shy in the beginning because I just hadn't spoken it. I still knew it, but I just, uh, if you stop doing something for a period of time, I mean, you um, you don't really have the habit and uh, things don't come as easily. And so I did feel that a little bit and I was just a little timid. And I noticed um, that some people just thought that I didn't, didn't know anything uh, because I didn't say anything at first. Um, but after a couple days, you know, I would like um, interject when I heard people talking about me or something. I would just, uh, you know, come up to them and s just respond. And they're like, whoa, okay, uh, you speak, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you actually understand. I, and then uh, I actually made some really good friends there. And I still talk to some of them to this day. And it was, um, it was just, it was, it was very, uh, very nice. And, um, uh, it, just having multiple um more than one of those experiences at different points in your life really showed me how integral it is to um 
truly immerse yourself where no one uh, around you is speaking uh, the language that you're more comfortable with because um, it's so easy to just switch when you know the other person uh, understands English because everyone understands English now. Um, it's all over TV, it's all over the internet, and um, it's it, it's becoming more and more difficult. But uh, those experiences are uh, very important. Um, Andrew, I'm <laughs> uh, very excited to hear uh, your perspective on this as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um... Those are like some really cool talking points. Um, what it made me think about was like the fact that I've actually never left the US. So I haven't had the chance to like go internationally, but I think your message about, again, like the point about immersion and being forced to just like speak the language and have it become second nature, that, that I feel like is key when it comes to any kind of learning. And so even though I haven't been back to South Korea myself, um, just being, like I said earlier, like in our church community, like just going back every day. I, that's basically my extended family now. And like some of my best friends are in that community and wanting to like speak to those people in the language they understand, like as a sign of respect, that was kind of a big drive for me. And so I feel like that's kind of like what internally pushed me towards like wanting to learn the language, even if it wasn't formally. And um, kind of relating back earlier to what you guys are saying about teachers, I feel as though when you're not treating the language as a skill because everyone's treats it as just like a maybe as a skill set i think if you more so focus on like the connection that's there you know like for you guys i guess it was the music um for me it was just like the fascination about like intercultural relations like for my arabic teacher like he did a great job of like um i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on this but basically yeah of course like, you're, you're good <laughs> he essentially <laughs> Go said for it. along the lines of like i don't give a shit about like what your grades look like by the end of the semester i just want you guys to learn the language and i like don't care if you like end up failing like i'm gonna do whatever it takes for you to pass but like the the point he drove home was like us wanting to learn the language because like the world is big you know like you got to go out there and just like discover it for yourself and yeah and that just like really spoke to me and so that's why i picked it up as a minor and just like seeing how like you know like, there's, like, a lot of cultural ideals ideals in the Arabic world that just, like, are so understood. I could, like, maybe talk for longer than I should about. But that's just, like, I, I never would have, you know, like, learned about any of that. Like, the immersion that we keep talking about, like, it's just, it's, like, a whole different world out there that people just, like, aren't willing to, you know, kind of dive into just because, like, they're scared or, like, uh, it's a reluctance or, like, someone said earlier, it's a chore. Like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know? And so, like, even though I haven't been anywhere internationally, like, I feel like, you know, non-pandemic withstanding once this is over, like having that chance to go, like, I think it's just going to be, you know, it's fascinating. So hopefully yeah. that kind of, kind of, um, bridges the gap, I guess, even though I, I was going to go. I was going to continue with what you were saying about like people not branching out. I was talking to my mom the other day and she was saying like some time ago, she was talking to one of her coworkers, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going on vacation next year. It's going to be great. It's like, oh, where are you going? And we're, I live in Dallas. She's like, oh, hey, we're going to Fort Worth. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, oh, first she was like, next door? Oh, money. Yeah. What? Next what? door. Fort Worth is next door. Yeah. But she was, was like, okay, for, she has money. So it's not like it's an issue for this coworker. So the thing is, she was like, why would you just want to go? there she's like well i have everything i need here in texas like i haven't discovered all of it i was like man like that's crazy i couldn't think of 
staying just in my little circle here and just being comfortable all the time instead of going and branching out. But I also wanted to say about what Kalina was saying, talking about um, how English is taking over. So when you want to like even go to other countries and and like test your your language learning, they're trying to speak English there too. And I can remember like as a kid going to Uganda and like trying to speak to my cousins, and they'd be like, "No, nah, Isaiah, I want to speak to you in in." In my language, I, I mean, in English. So let's. I have swag, you know, and I'll be like, <laughs> "Bruh, like, can you? I mean, I know you've been trying to practice. And I'm trying to practice too, but yeah, it's things have changed a lot. I feel like so. that happens with a lot of people. It was the same thing yeah. with me going back to to Venezuela. Not that I needed to really practice Spanish, but my cousins always wanted to practice their English, so <laughs> yeah. they wanted to do that, and then. Yeah, I feel like this happened to both of us. Whenever we went to our summer abroad in Europe and we wanted to practice our French in France, it was, I mean, I don't know if it was because they also just wanted to practice their English or because they saw where our level of French was. They're like, nah, it's They're like, nah. Oh, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe I have a different perspective about the trip. When we went to France and, and in Belgium, I think I was able to like actually practice it maybe that was because oh, yeah, we're so from good. i mean yeah we did i think more because i remember when we were when the last day we were there we were by ourselves i had to try, I, w- I went around paris the entire city while you were checking out colleges and i had a policeman try to have a conversation with me and i could talk to him like it was cool and then going off of what andrew said like that part of the world the middle east i think being th- um, left alone for a month and a half at 13 in turkey to just learn Bro, that's figure amazing. out what i had to do <laughs> Like at that age, like looking back at it, I don't even know how my parents like even like thought about it. But yeah, being being going there by myself. I mean, it was a school trip, but going there by myself and then putting to what I practiced only for a year at that point and having to learn and travel throughout Istanbul and other cities, which is a completely different world. Like like the scariest thing to me over there when I first my first day was the call for prayer at 5 a.m. Because I was like, what's going on? I've never experienced this before. Like and all the misconceptions you have about people in the Middle East. And I think it was one of the most wonderful things. Like I, I, I still talk to some of the people I met over there. And I like I love always talking about like learning Turkish and how it changed my view on the rest of the world. Yeah. It That's opens awesome. doors, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you guys have any like specific experiences when you're speaking to natives that just kind of like they made you it made you realize like wow I've progressed a lot or like oh no I still have a long way to go, anything like that? Um, what I noticed is um. Even even though I haven't spoken French uh, just for long periods of time in a while, I still have a lot of the um, just slang in my head, and uh, <laughs> sometimes just the way I talk. Like if I add in a random buff or genre in French, like they know, they know I'm like I, I've I've haven't just studied French in the classroom, and um, and uh, I've I, I, I've gotten comments from uh, native French speakers uh, even even in college when I hadn't spoken it for a while they're like wow you wouldn't think she isn't French um, when, when, when they hear me and uh, it's it's a nice feeling especially when you know you could have been putting a little bit more effort and uh, and you wish you uh, you were able to talk to more people but just um, hearing things like that and seeing how people are open to 
loved uh, talking to you and connecting with you and um, telling you, wow, you're really good at this. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it feels really good. Um, I know that in Bulgaria too, sometimes, uh, actually a good sign for me whenever my Bulgarian is better is when I start forgetting English. <laughs> so if I go to Bulgaria Thanks. for a summer and then I come back and I notice that I'm thinking more in Bulgarian than I am in English. Um, right now I'm completely switched back to thinking in English, um, but there's always that period um, whenever I go there and I'm first like in English mode and then when I come back um, after a summer uh, where my brain is just still thinking and um, reacting as I would um, in Bulgaria. And uh, I, I do notice that sometimes, um, and but one interesting thing that I uh, that I did hear, um, I don't know if uh, anyone else has uh, something uh, like a similar uh, comment that's been made to them about uh, speaking in um, in one of their other languages was that in Bulgarian specifically, um, they say that like I my pronunciation is perfect and um, and I. I speak it normally and, and grammatically it's fine, but that they can tell that I don't live there because my intonation is different. And um, I guess the way I put stresses in my sentences and the way I um, formulate my thoughts isn't exactly how people do in Bulgaria, but I, I use the right words, I say the right phrases after it's just very very nuanced things that um i haven't picked up entirely and i might pick up after a few weeks but um like i said it's about going and uh, in and out of the english and uh, mode and then the mode of the other language um that you have uh i have a really close friend named bobby who also speaks uh, he, he learned French in high school and he says he's actually seen me in real time if he's speaking to me in English and then he starts asking me a question in French he's seen me it takes me like two seconds for my mind to switch and like he sees it <laughs> and that's what he tells me and I said oh I didn't know it was that obvious but uh, um, yeah it's uh, it's it's very interesting <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of layers to languages and yeah. for a like a hundred percent native it's very easy to pick up on the differences because um, like for example there's a bunch of stuff that you can't really learn even at home with your parents who are native speakers because there's certain um, there's certain lingo or words or phrases that you only use with people your age so I'm pretty sure yeah yeah this probably happened to you too um, there are certain phrases or words that you're supposed to learn as a teenager in you know an environment like your school that you can't really do like you can't learn that here in the u.s even for me who you know I, I had a lot of venezuelan friends and my my circle of friends in general always had a bit of that um as much as i had a bit of an advantage there was always words or phrases that i could never really or i just never learned because i wasn't in that environment mm -hmm. and then i could meet people who did grow up in venezuela and they had the the phrases and if they spoke to me in a very colloquial way they would notice that i didn't grow up back there because that's how it is for most languages like for example um like every time i go back to dominican like 
they they might not even I might not even have to speak or if I speak very briefly they know that oh he's from America he's from another country and I don't think uh I think a lot of people when they go through that it, they they that's what stops them from learning the language because they are like oh I can't never be 100% native or whatever but language is really like the art of being humble that's what I say cuz sometimes you'll have a talk with a native speaker and you'll understand every single word and then that same native speaker will turn to their husband or a significant other and just spout like words and you can't understand anything but to someone from the outside you're doing well it's just you are hard on yourself so that turns a lot of people off from speaking so i think it's just like when it comes to that not being 100% native it's you're not going to be but just try to get as close as possible cuz you're going to be able to communicate and people will appreciate it and they're going to appreciate you for learning it so um but yeah i mean usually i second guess myself when i'm like not speaking english and it turns out like you've already most people more often than that more often than not have already like have a solid basis in whatever language they're trying to learn it's just like there's always something to you know pick up on or always something to add so that's why it feels like a never ending journey which in and of itself isn't i think a bad thing and so i going back to the original question i feel like my moment of like realizing that i had a chance of learning the language is like again the native speaker just telling me like hey like i would have not known if you hadn't told me otherwise if you hadn't started speaking english and just like again learning really emphasizing on the nuances and the slang and just like just like I mean, obviously fake it till you make it and just like trying to, again, just feel like you're a part of the culture that you're speaking in. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never experienced any, um, I guess, uh, discrimination from any native speaker uh, because I didn't say something in the exact right way. Um, like everyone's been saying here, the fact that you're trying, the fact that you're uh, doing whatever you can to learn and improve yourself is so much more important than uh, whether you're perfect um, at, at it. So um, I think it's, it's super important for everybody to just get that perfectionism out of their head because it doesn't exist. And um, as long as we can communicate and connect with each other, that is what's important and people will appreciate it um that's what i've that, that that's what i've come to learn i mean people will always make comments like when i was in spain and they said oh yeah your pronunciation in spanish is is really good um but you speak like a french person because of the way you form your sentences and i'm like well that's because i learned french before spanish and so that's honestly beautiful. That's different. It, it doesn't make it any better or worse. That's just how I, my brain has uh, organized everything that I've learned and that's how I do it. And um, if I spend more time and uh, read more books, then yes, I will, I will probably learn uh, to do that a little bit less, but uh, there's different stages in the whole learning process um, and you shouldn't and no one should bring themselves down because of it um yeah and to kind of add on to that real quick like i'm glad you mentioned earlier like the different modes you have like for different languages i think like forcing yourself to think only in that language is like crazy good in terms of like just helping you understand the language itself but also i think it's really cool that it can kind of act as a bridge sometimes like that mindset because there's certain words ideas or like maybe even feelings in certain languages that you know, they don't have direct translations in, you know, other languages. And I feel like 
I mean, I'm no neurologist or whatever, but I feel like whatever pathways that forms, like I feel like it really, again, allows you to like kind of develop literally a more open mind about, you know, different cultural connections that are available, you know, in different countries around the world. And I think that's what makes it like really fun, just getting to know um, different languages, all that. Yeah, I think uh, specifically with French, what's really cool um, that um, I think Charlotte, I don't know if it was Charlotte or some YouTube video told me, but they called like the buffer, which is like, I don't know how many other languages have this, probably a lot, but like you can have this buffer of space in between sentences and still sound like a native speaker. Obviously it takes time to become a native, native speaker, but like in English, it's not normal to say like uh, uh, all the time, but in French they do use it more. That was, on, that was on YouTube. Oh, it was YouTube? Okay, yeah. It was Damon was and Joe. Oh, it was Damon and Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were pre pretty cool YouTubers that know so crazy. I'm gonna, so let's say fast forward 10, 20 years in the future and you're having children. Do you want your household? How do you, in your household, would you want your children and your significant other to be speaking another language or just English or just that other language? Because for me, I've had always had talks about um, like learning just in the sociology classes I've taken in political science that the the, the generation uh, after me, usually that's when the language starts to fall off and they don't learn. And I've already seen it with like my brothers or my nephews. So I think for me, I would only want to be speaking either French or Spanish in my household only because they're going to have to learn English regardless when they go out. So I wanted to see like what other people feel if they just wanted their children to speak like another language. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a language that you're native to, even that you've learned. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that because I have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of opinions about it. Um, but uh, I've noticed that um, a lot of Bulgarian immigrants just growing up, uh, many parents have made the decision to not uh, force uh, teaching their kids Bulgarian because they want their kids to um, be as immersed in the American culture and uh, I guess become as much as Americanized as they can so that they can um, potentially become more successful and um, um, accepted at school and um, in the working world but I've always been so against that um, for many reasons just uh, me going to inter an international school definitely contributed to that but uh, I was always so confused um, I was so happy to be able to um, connect with my family back home and I couldn't imagine not being able to um, and so I, I've had conversations with this about this with my mom and I asked her okay so how did you get me to learn Bulgarian so well because any um, comments that I had from um, other adults growing up was always oh my gosh you speak Bulgarian so well and you've only been there a couple times how how did your parents do this because all these other Bulgarian kids can't do it um, to the same extent and my mom said that uh, whenever I was very young um, and I would try to speak to her in English she would pretend like she can't understand me and then when I said it in Bulgarian then she would respond and um, and so I don't know for how long she did that but uh, she did do her best and I think what um, inspired her to do that was uh, so Prior to moving to Houston, I, we moved to Houston when I was 10, 10 months old, and I was born in South Africa before that, so I wasn't even born in Bulgaria. Um, my Bro, who is Kalina? I'm sorry. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you, you got a little bit... This is crazy. All right, I'm going to keep going. Continue, continue, continue. Um, 
but uh, so my my parents uh, they uh, grew up in Bulgaria, graduated high school, graduated college, um, and uh, soon after moved to Johannesburg, South Africa, and lived and lived there. Got married, had me. Uh, we were uh, I was there for ten months. They were there for a total of six years. But the interesting thing is that there uh, the two main languages are English and Afrikaans. And uh, what my parents observed there uh, with uh, what their colleagues were doing with teaching their kids both languages was that one parent was speaking only Afrikaans to their kid and was spoken to only in Afrikaans, like n no exceptions. And the other parent would do English. And so, and they said that that is the surefire way to make sure that your kid learns both well. but. First, you need a lot of discipline in your family to do that, and you need to be very strict about it. So anybody who can do that well and knows how to do it, I, I respect them. And I would, I, so to answer your question, Yariel, that's, in, if I were to um, uh, just, uh, even if I marry um, someone who is also Bulgarian or um, speaks a similar language to me, um, it's, I would probably prefer if, if, if the other person did uh, speak my other na native language, probably, like you said, um, would be best to speak that language at home and then have the kids learn English, um, English at school and just anywhere else. But for example, if I were to marry someone who spoke French, then I would want to speak just Bulgarian and the other person would have to just speak French and then that's how that's, I mean, if if we were very committed uh, to have both kids speak both languages very well, um, and the and the kid didn't wasn't able to get um, uh, the Bulgarian or French education at school, that's probably the best way. That's what my parents have told me had had worked in South Africa. That's what they saw, and that many families were doing. Um, and I, I just thought that was very interesting. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if you think that's a good idea, if that's something maybe you'll bring up to your parents next time this conversation comes up with them. <laughs> Any more pro-language agenda I can uh, take, uh, I'll take it with me towards them. <laughs> so Andrew, I want to hear Andrew's perspective. Ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, basically took the words right out of my mouth. I, I feel like whatever the stigma is about, you know, wanting to be Americanized and um, just like wanting to master English, I feel like that's kind of going to go away in the next few decades. I feel like the norm is going to eventually rotate to like having to know a few languages too. And at least for me, um, like in terms of like learning the language at home, I think my parents ever only spoke Korean to me. And so it wasn't um forced so to say but i feel like it was kind of implied because if they're speaking korean then the best way to communicate back with them is there is in, is in their own native tongue and so that's i don't know i never really like thought long and hard about it but in terms of like looking towards the future and having kids i feel like it would be such a blessing just to be able to speak those languages at home and for those people who are just worried about you know like whatever um they can't master about english like Korean was my first language and I know a lot of other people were in the same boat and like we all turned out you know and I feel like it just makes life that much more I guess enjoyable which is like can seem kind of corny but like there's no other way to put it you know because 
just being able to speak those languages at home like allows you to just think about like your everyday conversations in a different way on on a very regular basis i feel like that's a good habit to kind of develop yeah i feel like you're exercising your brain a little bit too just having to flip through all these languages and stuff it's just healthy almost yeah i feel i feel like all of us are gonna try to teach our kids you know several different languages i think it's good that notion that you said andrew the one where um people before tried to americanize your children uh, in hopes that they would be better integrated into society i feel like i agree with you i think it's dying and i think it's good because people realize that you can be just as integrated to um, your new country without having to lose your original language or your original culture and if anything it just enhances it and it gives you a ton of advantages later on in life all right well guys we had a lot of fun now we're gonna switch over to our last two segments uh, the first one's gonna be counselor's corner this is where we give any unsolicited advice to our listeners so i okay i actually found this out recently because i just got a new phone my last phone kept dying very quickly towards like the last you know about this Andrew. you know how bad my phone was and i was just always begging people for chargers um the last year i had my phone which it was really old it was an iphone 6 and i had it for like four years apart from the battery it was fine but the last year my phone was dying basically within two hours all the time it was terrible so when i got my new one recently i was like okay i need to search how to prolong the battery life and turns out that there's a lot of really simple things you guys can do to prevent your phone from you know wasting its battery life after a couple years of use and the main thing you should do is one not leave it charging overnight or like basically at any point once it reaches 100 don't leave it charging and then two try to keep the battery between 80 percent and 20 and 30 percent all the time I forget why, but it has to do with um, the way that the, the battery gets overheated once you keep charging it. And that's actually what they do with uh, storage batteries and, and, you know, places that have like wind energy or solar energy. So, yeah, if you guys want to prolong your battery life, don't do those things. Or yeah. buy a new phone. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I look like okay. 3 a.m. Unplug, unplug, unplug. No, I'm just saying, nah, like, because Apple, Apple has, Apple has like confirmed that they mess with people's batteries, so then they buy new ones. Yeah, that's ones. true. But still, so, that's, I mean, because that's how batteries work. They can't. It was four year old phone. Your phone probably had a oak, like a fifty like percent battery, like it was good, and then they hit that software update, <laughs> and you were done. Like, yeah, and I know that new newer phones and computers now they claim that once your battery reaches a hundred percent, that it stops. Uh, whatever is plugged in stops actually charging your battery but I don't know how true that is um, because when you it doesn't like it, it doesn't go down to 80 and then start charging again it just stays at a hundred um, so I'm curious about that and how true those claims are about newer phones I'll let you guys know in four years <laughs> what happened to the battery <laughs> uh gonna last two years instead of four watch <laughs> we'll see we'll see um i guess i'll go next um 
So I'm gonna change my advice just because of this episode. So for a lot, for anyone that wants to like learn a new language, how we were talking about immersion, and the way I would recommend doing using immersion is one very simple using what Juan was talking about, but differently. Change your phone to the language that you want to learn early, just because it forces you like to have to learn the like like for example, I had to learn what save was in French. So then when we were talking about it in class, I already knew. So just like even simple stuff like searching whatever. You already you already know. Um, if you are someone that likes Netflix, I would advise getting like the learning Netflix uh like add-on on Google Chrome, so you can have like the subtitles of the main language you're learning, and then under English, and then you can remove which ones you don't want to have. And it shows like if there's a word that comes up that you don't know, you can click on it, and it'll give you the definition, the American like uh translation. So using that, and then just try to immerse yourself. Even cooking your uh cooking maybe a cuisine from that country. Uh, I'd like to listen to podcasts in other languages. There's on the on Reddit, for example, though, if you go to language Reddit that you're trying to learn subreddit, they'll give you like podcasts that are like beginner and in, uh, intermediate and then uh, like, like advanced. And then lastly, music, like always music is international. You can become um, like amazed by how, how like the, the amount of music that's really good in that uh, language and people like on Reddit, how I said they have beginner intermediate and advanced like songs that if you want to learn to just have in the background to learn the language and it helps a lot because you're learning from basically the ground up which helps a lot yeah no that's really good advice i like i like all of that i agree with it um i know that whenever i uh like whenever i watch a show in uh, on netflix in spanish i always try to have the, the subtitles in also in spanish so that i'm because reading it, it uh, I'm able to um, pick up anything that I didn't hear correctly and uh, just also seeing how it's spelled is, is so important as well. Um, yeah, just doing whatever you can, following YouTube channels in a, in a certain language as well. Um, so yeah, my advice would just be to not stress yourself out. Um, for every little thing like school probably taught you to do, just stop doing that, <laughs> find a way to stop doing that. Um, and uh, make some kind of uh, lifestyle and routine that really enables you to um, live in the present and um, like set, set uh, time to make food and exercise every day so that you can be happy with um, that, like every day you could feel like you achieved something and that can push you to continue um, and uh, achieve other things that you have on your mind. I think it's important to just um, every day just uh, think about what you're doing and not dwell on things. So I just think it's a pretty general advice that I think any 20 something can uh, can benefit from at least hearing it i think just i feel like we all need to hear it a lot <laughs> so yeah for sure that's true go i actually had something along the similar lines of what kalina was saying um it's probably not as pragmatic as what juan was saying about the battery life earlier <laughs> but um i feel like it's also as helpful there was like i attended like a mindfulness workshop earlier last semester and it kind of helped me work through like you know, progress is the motto kind of deal. And so um, there's like this old proverb and it's basically about like goal area. Um, and basically like he has like this sort of event, series of events that happens to him, right? 
And so like he's just living out his days and he's farming and he's getting ready for the harvest. And um, there's one day where like he has all these horses on his land and they just overnight just happen to escape. And his neighbor comes up to him and he's like, wow, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Like, I have no idea how you're going to make this up. And the farmer just goes, well, like it happened. I can't do anything about it. And so I'm just going to make the best of it however I can. And so that happens. And then eventually the horses come back with like a bigger herd, like there's like twice the amount of horses there were before. And they come back and the neighbor comes back, same guy. And he's like, this is crazy. Like you just had like this happened yesterday. But now all these horses are back. Like, this is such a great, you know, series of events. Like, I'm so happy for you. And the farmer, again, is like, well, I didn't do anything about it. Like, it just kind of happened. And I'm grateful, but I'm just going to keep moving forward. But I think another week goes by. And eventually, um, he has a son. And the son is, like, trying to tame one of these wild horses. Eventually, he falls off and he breaks both his legs. Very extreme. And so, the same neighbor, same spiel wow, I'm so sorry. Like, I have no idea what's going on with you right now. And the same farmer, again, he's like, well, like all these things are happening, but like we'll still manage. And eventually I think there's like this group from the Royal Palace nearby comes through and they're basically recruiting all these young men into their army because the king had just gone into a war. And so the kid from the farmer, like since he had just broken his legs, like, you know, he can't be conscripted. And so the same, the same neighbor comes by for the last time and he's like, I don't know what's going on, but, I think I'm starting to get where you're coming from about not being attached and like your son, like even though he had his legs broken, um, not having to go to war is probably like a big, big gift for parents. And so I feel like the moral of that story is like an attachment, like not being, you know, too attached to everything good or bad that's happening to you right now. And then I feel like my final like piece from that is like, don't let anyone um, define what your happiness means for you. Like, I feel like we get so lost and, you know, the daily or like what they see on social media. It's like good to unplug sometimes. Like, you know, like Kundalina was saying earlier, you got to carve out that time for yourself and just like really reflect on things that are happening in your life. Just like slow things down. And yeah, that's kind of it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I was talking to my dad as I often am on this podcast. I always talk about talking to my dad because there's a lot of good quotes. <laughs> And um, I was talking about an accomplishment that I recently had, but at the end of it, I said like, oh yeah, but yeah, I'm so thankful about it or for it. And he stopped me and he, there's this quote that it's not his quote, but it's a quote that he just happened to have. And he told me and he said, you can't be grateful for things that you feel entitled to. And it was kind of awkward because <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I, but I did that. But anyway, what, I, what he's basically saying is, and what I applied it to myself is you really, when you think of things that are just supposed to come to you, that's like a, a gimme, I guess, per se, you really truly can't be grateful, even if it comes out of your mouth as being grateful, I guess to say. So one thing that I'm trying to work on more is to be more humble. Of course, sometimes I'll joke about this and that, about certain things that I've done, but to really come down to being truly grateful about certain things takes a lot of humility so just trying to add more just being more humble in my daily life and i think it's good for us to try to all try to be more humble in different aspects of different things and it will yeah reflect in our lives i guess so yeah nice man y'all made mine look like absolute shit <laughs> everyone had very philosophical 
answers and I was just like, yeah, your phone battery. <laughs> oh no, but that's good too. We all have uh, phones, pacifiers, as uh, my uh, as, uh, my very close friend Yvonne now, says. Um, <laughs> now people will know though, if their phone messes up, they just have to think that it's not that big of a deal and then they just have to take it a ah, step at a time. Good. Go. They combine two of the, uh, the yeah. advices, that's nice. Um, all right, so on to our last segment, recommendations. We're just going to give out any music, book, shows, any shout outs like that. Anything you guys have listeners, you guys think the listeners should know about. So for this week, I actually wanted to shout out a, a YouTube channel that I've been binge watching lately. It's called Real Engineering. Um, it's a very, it like it's, it's obviously an engineering YouTube channel. But the videos that the guy makes are really nice because they're made. Okay. They have a lot of detail to them as well, but it's also made for kind of like the general public. Obviously I don't know too much about engineering, but super interesting videos. Like he talks about anything from why, when, uh, when turbines are becoming bigger to how the engine in an electric car works, like it's super interesting stuff. So if you guys want to check it out, that's what I would recommend. Um, for me, I kind of, so some of the things you we were talking about last podcast about how scientists have done such a good job at what they do that when they make like a lot of vaccines people deem that those vaccines are the cause of the disease not the opposite so i kind of went and looked up stuff um to understand more of their scientists thinking and my friend recommended carl sagan's book called the demon haunted world and it basically talks about um how skepticism and very critical thinking has led to modern like discoveries within scientists about how you can apply your own life and it kind and he kind of talks about even though way back then about fake news about overconsumption of media over villainizing the same people that actually know what they're talking about and then pitting them up to someone who doesn't know but you have them as equal value of their opinion so he kind of talks about that and i thought it was super interesting because he's kind of foreshadowing things that are happening now all the way back then and it gives you a better view of the world so to speak so to speak i have a music album recommendation um but i uh, purchased uh, one of david gilmore's albums and it's called about uh, face so he used to be a guitarist on pink floyd and he's a very very good guitarist um and i listened to it and i just really enjoyed it um and I, it just, it takes me, takes me back a little bit. Um, my dad would always play uh, that type of music uh, growing up. And so it's, it just, uh, it felt like I was at home, which is, which is nice. So, um, yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking of music though, um, lately I've been really getting into like analyzing production and like lyricism. I mean, like one, you know, like I'm super into music all the time, like on my headphones. And I think, um, like lyricism though especially is what what's been sending out to me like which is very niche but like um mf doom he's a rapper kind of underground um r.i.p to him um but like his his music joey badass um capital c's also rest in peace uh, earl sweatshirt like i think rappers like that don't get a lot of credit just because like when you think of rap nowadays it's like you know kind of like mumble rap which i'm not saying like teach their own or whatever but like the, the artists i mentioned i feel like like have these subliminal messages in like what I think is like poetry and I think when you really break it down and like when you like there's like a function on Apple Music where you can like turn the lyrics on and when they updated that I thought it was really stupid because like who's gonna do it 
and that's the only way I can listen to music now is when I read the lyrics as I listen and I mean yeah just like listening to stuff like that finding it as my own pastime to enjoy so yeah that's my recommendation so um I just have a song uh I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I used this thing on YouTube called Colors where you can find a bunch of different artists from different parts of the world different genres you know about it, Andrew yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, Colors is amazing. But uh, um, yeah, Sam Henshaw has a song called Thoughts and Prayers, and it's really good. So go check that out. Um, well, that's, that's, you know, the pod for this week. So I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. We had, you know, a, a wonderful experience with you guys. Really cool stories and anecdotes and very cool perspectives of what you guys have been going through and how you, um, how you guys have learned all these new languages so uh thank you again for coming in and uh you know i'll leave it to you guys to say anything to just close out the pod well i just wanted to thank you guys for having me here it's uh, it's been very fun i've listened to a couple of your episodes and uh and uh, always enjoyed your conversations that you have here so it's uh, it's uh, pretty cool to be part of one as well yeah appreciate y'all taking the time this is like I've never been a part of something like this so this is really cool that y'all get to do this on a regular and I think everyone who's listening is probably grateful too so thank y'all yeah thank Thanks, you man. thank y'all for coming hopefully we'll have you back soon as we're always trying to get episodes out and get different perspectives on everything that's happening so just want to thank y'all again for coming on yeah, yeah. anytime <laughs> <laughs> exactly Well, again, uh, thank you guys for coming on and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe. Learn how to drive with ice on the roads. Bye.